Ladies and gentlemen, here are some comedy dates for you to come and see me at in September. So September 18th, I'm at Monty's Bar in Brick Lane. September 19th, I'm at the Duchess Bar in Battersea. September 20th, I'm at the Savoy Top. Um, September 21st, I'm at the Constitution in Camden. Um, Today, my guest is the wonderful Chris Betts. He's a comedian from Canada. And we talk about literally everything from government cloning to the wonderful sitcom 30 Rock. So please give it up for Chris Betts. Chris Betts, how's it going, man? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm a little, I'm a little confused, but just because I just got off a train. So. Oh shoot! So you oh, just, all. you just came from, you just came from Edinburgh, yeah. right? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. Okay. How yeah. was it for you? Great, really nice. Yeah, I was at the Monkey Barrel Club, and they were fun, uh, drunk but fun. Good, good. And uh, yeah, it was just my, I was at my friend's apartment for the weekend. Nice. And she's uh, she runs a restaurant. Hi, Louisa, if you're listening, you're great. Uh, and uh, what's the restaurant called? Uh, Hawksmoor. Hawksmoor, I've heard yeah. of it. Yeah, they're great. Really good food. Like uh, awesome service. It's just it's, I worked for them when I first moved over to London. Uh, oh, nice. They're really, yeah, they're a good company. I like it a lot. Mm. But yeah, so she she is GM at the Edinburgh one, and she'd been working her ass off all throughout the fringe, obviously. Oh, then, as you do. Which yeah. only just ended like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Yeah. And so she then there was sort of the fall off, and this weekend was the first weekend she had off. And, wow. and I was like, can I sleep on your couch? And she went, yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I didn't want to be in a way, because, you know, when you get time off and you want to spend it alone, I was yeah. like, I totally understand. So from 9 a.m. until 11 p.m. yesterday, I was just sort of in Edinburgh, because I wanted to give her an apartment. And then I only got about six hours sleep, so we set up drinking last night. Mm-hmm. So I'm, uh, um, I just feel that exhaustion of being out. Yeah. Yeah. You know that fucking, like, when you're just in a city... <laughs> kind of like you've already been there so you know everything about it you just don't have anywhere to be so yeah you know, so I'm guessing you're up there for the fringe as well right yeah yeah, yeah. Sweet. Um, what's it like being what's it like Edinburgh about beer about the fringe what's Edinburgh like about the fringe going on compared to so peaceful I can imagine yeah it's really nice <laughs> it's um it's I didn't realize how loud the posters become Oh yeah, because it's just like bright colors and huge faces oh, that are God. meant to grab the eye. Yeah, and so the whole city just feels, just without posters alone, the whole thing feels calmer. Oh, that's lovely. And it really it makes a huge difference. I couldn't believe even more so than the crowds. I found that the posters made the big difference. It's a uh, um, so yeah, everyone's a little. The locals are less angry. Mm. Um, a lot of businesses right now, because it's early September, are shut. Um, for vacation because they made all their money for the year. Fair enough. Which is kind of nice to see. <laughs> so. Uh, well, that's because they jack it up by about twenty percent. Like yeah, for, yeah. for the month when all the London comedy, everyone from London comes down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get it. Yeah, I mean it's it's smart. It's a smart business move on their part. It just fucks our pockets a lot. <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's the same thing that they do at music festivals yeah. or, or at airports. Where once you've got a captive audience or a captive market, then you're yeah. going to jack the prices up. Of course. And so so I, I'm fair play to them. I do the exact same thing. So what got you into comedy, man? How long have you been doing it for? I've been doing it for about 10 years. Nice one. I've wanted to do it since I was six. Um, and I finally, I didn't, I didn't want to do it until, because I didn't start until I was 20, 
I guess nine years, because I think I started when I was 26. Um, but um, I wanted to wait until I'd seen some of life and had a reason to be on stage yeah. before I ever started. Yeah. So I just did as many crazy things as I could in my late teens and early 20s. And then I finally started doing stand-up because uh, two of my friends were marrying each other. But they were from like separate groups, mm-hmm. and um, and I was the only one that knew them kind of well, eat both of them, and so they asked me to MC their wedding. Nice one. And I was like, that can't be the first time I'm on a microphone. Yeah. Because I don't want to ruin my friend's wedding, and so I started doing stand-up. That's so similar to my journey as well. Really? Because I was I also I was also I've only been doing this for like a year and a half, right? But I've been thinking about doing it. Or it's been in my back of my mind that it's something that could possibly happen since I was about 16. Okay. And in around about October 2017, yeah. one of my best friends asked me to be the um, best man at his wedding. No way. And I knew I'd have to do a speech for that. Ah, cool. So I was like, okay, let me think about what I can do to like help with presentation skills. Yeah. Found a sign-up company course. I thought, okay, this is something I've always wanted to do. Nice. And this would probably help. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of similar. Which course did you take? City Academy with Kate Smurfway. Oh, okay, yeah. Really, I. If you're gonna do a course, I'd highly recommend it. Okay, cool. She's a great teacher and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And are you, do you still hang out with the, the people that did the class? How many of them are still doing stand-up? One. Okay. And I did Edinburgh, and we did an Edinburgh show. And me and her did an Edinburgh show together. Oh, nice. Like, literally up this year. Oh, that's great. Uh, so, what was the craziest thing? What were the three craziest things that you did before going into stand-up? Um, I lived in a Buddhist monastery on the Burma border. Do tell. <laughs> uh, it was a, a, a friend of mine, actually the one one of the ones who got married, um, is a human rights lawyer. And so she was working in a refugee camp down the road. Um, she'd been there on and off for a couple of years. She, um, one of the monks from this monastery said, we also have refugee kids and we'd love for someone to come out and sort of help us. Uh, do you know anyone? And she was like, Chris will do this. Uh, and so she sent me an email. And, uh, and I went out with my friend Christina and we spent, spent a few months there. Uh, it was like it was a refugee camp slash organic farm slash school um, because they they only took in kids um, whose families had essentially been killed uh, and they were sort of sent off. Was, yeah, awful. Yeah. Um, sweetest kids I've ever met. It was really fun and happy. Now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I lived there for about three months. One of the monks taught me kung fu, um, which I've all forgotten all of. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, uh, yeah, they taught me to meditate, and um, it was yeah, it's among the happiest times of my life. It was really. I'm still not a Buddhist. I've never been a Buddhist. Yeah. But it was yeah, it was excellent. It was a nice life. How did you find adjusting from city like? Well, I didn't even ask you. Did you grow up in a city, or did you grow up in a country? Or? I grew up in like a small town. Okay. That's now a much bigger town. Um, because uh, when I was about 11, I think, a news article came out from a place called White Rock on the mm-hmm. west coast of Canada. It's right where the Pacific Ocean and the American border meet. Yeah. And um, a news article came out saying that we had the most days of sunshine of anywhere in Canada. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. So, oh, no. Yes, oh, no. Yeah, cons just started rolling in. <laughs> and, and, and all of a sudden, like, as I grew up just playing in the woods, like, that was a lot of it, you know? And, uh, yeah. um, and then all the woods were gone, and now it's like golf course, strip mall, condos, mm. golf course, strip club. Uh, well, no, so all the strip clubs are gone as well. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> they took it all. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, uh, yeah, no, so now it's a very different town than the one I grew up in. But when I was growing up, it was a small town that was, like, technically a suburb of Vancouver, but it was yeah. a little too far. No one lived there and worked in Vancouver at the time. A lot of people do now. Okay. Yeah. So how did you find the transition of um, growing up from growing up in, in that kind of environment to living in, work, living in a... Buddha, in a 
was sent to your commune? Um, well, at that point, I already lived in like four or five other countries, and and so I was just like, I've been on the move since I was 18. Oh, sweet! And so it was, it was just another thing. It didn't didn't really take me by surprise. The, okay. Uh, it was just, it was so stunningly beautiful. Okay. It was in the middle of nowhere. It was right near. It was like an hour and a half drive from Chiang Mai, which is the nearest city, sort of in northern Thailand. Um, and uh, yeah, just it just like felt like living in the country. They had like. You know, nicely. They built huts for everybody, and they had plumbing and uh, yeah. well, not not great plumbing, but you know, enough. It, it was there. Enough. <laughs> it yeah, existed. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and the whole sort of surrounding farm villages, because you could get a free education if you um, were an apprentice monk. Um, and so the parents, who even if they weren't Buddhists, would send their kids to live here um, because it was a free education. It was a pretty good education as well. And the um, and the monk was really cool because he knew. He was like, I know these kids won't be monks. I don't care. I just wanted to be able to leave here. Yeah. That's all. It was like really, it was everything you want from someone helping people. It was just like, I don't care. I, they don't need to do what I do. Um, yeah, no, so it was, it, it was more of an adjustment of not speaking the language and trying to, there was a lot of speaking with like, um, they, they would teach us Thai at night. And so I was taking Thai lessons from the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, a lot of it was sort of drawing things in the sand yeah, and uh, pointing and things like that. So that was an adjustment of sort of not being able to talk to anybody. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a really crazy thing to actually happen to you. Um, but I can, I can imagine that that would just fill you with so much joy and like just so much... Um, I don't know. I don't know the word. It's a Sunday afternoon. I have no. I have yeah. no this yeah. is the first conversation I've had all day. Just, oh God! <laughs> train was five hours. <laughs> I'm glad I have that. Yeah. I'm glad I have that honor though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Buddhist. Um, so you worked in a, in a Buddhist monastery or yeah. lived in a Buddhist monastery. What about the other crazy things that led you to this? Um, let's see, I was. Uh, I was named uh, uh, bartender of the year in 2005. Woo! That was cool. Yeah. I've been nominated three times and I finally won. Nice. Um, what did you have to do to win that? Uh, they flew myself and I think ten other bartenders out to Kentucky. Um, it was I was living in Brighton at the time. I was working at a little hotel bar. Um, and so ten other bartenders from around the UK. Is it, oh shit. Is it like Brighton, Brighton? Brighton, Brighton. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. flew you from Brighton, Brighton to yeah, Kentucky. To Kentucky, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. And they paid. It was amazing. It was a... Uh, they paid for all of our accommodation, all of our flights, all of our drinks and food. Everything was covered, um, and um, and so it was, it was paid for by Woodford Reserve, which is a bourbon. It's great. Um, and uh, um, yeah, one weird thing about the trip was they there was a, a guy that was taking us around. His name's Mark, and he he was the one with the cart. So it was like wherever Mark wanted to drink, that's where we drank. Yeah. He was making sure we drank for free. Yeah. And he only wanted to drink in strip clubs. Okay. <laughs> Everyone, and I love strip clubs. They're very fun. It's not a sexual thing for me. It's just a fun night out. Like, but yeah. But he was like, he had clearly been to all these strip clubs in Louisville so many times that they knew him. Oh God! What the strippers knew him? All the strippers, all the bars, everybody knew oh Mark. Oh my God! I'm, we walked into two separate ones where, as soon as we walked in, the whole club stopped, looked to the t- door, and went, Mark. Oh God! Yeah, it was like cheers. It was amazing. Have you? Uh, have you seen Dude Where's My Car? The film, dude. Not in a long time. Not in a long time. Yeah. Okay. 
There's a scene where, Je- where Ashton Kutcher and Sean William Scott walk into a strip club right. and everything stops and one of the strippers goes, Hey everybody, it's Mr. Jesse and Mr. Chester! And everyone like waves at each other, yeah. right? Yeah. It was like that but less formal. <laughs> they were, they were these guys, they knew Mark. <laughs> oh my yeah. god, like asking yeah, how his kids are yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Oh, he didn't have kids. Oh, of course. Yeah. No, 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 Not no, that no. he knew of anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was, um, so they took us around, we did the Woodford Reserve Distillery, the Jack Daniels Distillery, because they're owned by the same company, um, and it's not that far, Tennessee, Kentucky, and um, the bar, the competition was, we were voted in, like you got nominated by the bartenders in the in the industry, apparently, I got the most votes of anyone up until that point, I don't know since. Good for you. So it was nice, it's always nice to be respected in your industry. <laughs> And, uh, and then you had to make up a cocktail that was just, like, for that competition. Yeah. Um, and then you had to know a shit ton about the history of bourbon. Um, and so I made my cocktail. Uh, it was called the Reserved Four, right? Yep. Uh, what was in it? What was it? It was a, a double shot of Woodford Reserve, um, a shot of apple juice. Nice. Some agave syrup. Um, I think orange bitters. Ooh. And a grapefruit zest. And there might be something I'm missing out of that, but I think that was it. I mean, it was just stirred really slowly over ice. Um, it was great. It was a really nice drink. Amazing. It was really good. And then I just talked like a lot of shit about bourbon. Oh well, yeah. For a while, while they drank my drink. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's kind of what you got to do, isn't it? Because no one really knows anything about wine or bourbon or whatever. Mm. Oh, these people did. Oh, okay. These <laughs> people knew. It was their whole life. <laughs> There's a whole subculture of. Uh, Unbelievably knowledgeable bar bar staff, and uh, like, cause that was my that was my life when I was doing that. Yeah. I used to be able to sit and I could tell you everything about every bottle on a back bar, uh, to the point where I almost knew the names of the distillers for most of them. Knew all, all the history, all the ingredients, uh, the distillation methods, um, all of it. Cause yeah, cause there's two forms of bartending. There's like the cool ones, but there's the people that just do it, and the people who take it seriously. There's the cool ones who are the flare bartenders. Yeah. And they juggle things and set things on fire. And Basically, the TGI show. Fridays ones. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And Nothing then, wrong with that. And then there's nerds. <laughs> <laughs> I was in the nerd category. Good for you. That's what brought you bartender here, though. That was it. I loved it, man. Yeah. So, and the money was pretty good, though. I'm not gonna imagine. So. Buddhist Monastery, Bartender of the Year, what's the third, what's the third craziest thing you did? Um, I was, um, I was homeless in Cannes for a little while. Um, in, in Cannes? In Cannes, yeah, the film festivals, during the film festival. Oh, and, wow. Um, and I was, uh, uh, I managed, because I was, I was, uh, um, yeah, I think I was 19, 20 maybe? Um, and I was like, I was charming and, and a hard worker and things like that, so I'd show up and I, um, I managed to find jobs, but in between I would um, I would sit. So where I slept was under. If you're ever in Cannes, there's the the boardwalk, and then there's the beach, and there's sort of a drop. The beach is like a staircase down uh, from the boardwalk, um, and so they have cops, especially during the film festival, sort of walking around, making sure everything's fine. And so I waited until the cops had done, like in a video game, you know, when you're when you're waiting for the security yeah. guard to go to the part where he can't see you and then you like, sort of sneak off. Like where you're hiding in a bush or something like exactly, that. Yeah. And, then, yeah. and then you're behind a wall and then you're behind yeah. a crate. Um, so I did that and I snuck into the shadows under the stairs and I slept under the stairs on the beach there. Um, How long did you do that for? Not long, just a few nights. Okay. And, then, and then the guys that I ended up um, finding a job with, um, because I spent two days getting food, because I looked 
like artsy enough and was confident enough that I would sit on a bench because the film festival was on. People just assumed I was important. Yeah. And so I had people pitching me scripts and buying the coffees and lunch. Nice. <laughs> and so oh. I was just this homeless 19-year-old being like, I don't like that character. Can we, can we get rid of him? <laughs> Um, but then I got a job uh, with some Irish guys doing landscaping, and they found out that I was, I didn't tell anyone I was sleeping under the stairs, yeah. um, and they, but they figured it out, and so they set me up at a campsite um, and paid in advance for it so that I was set there, and they picked me up and driving me to the thing. But one of the jobs that we took was I was doing, rebuilding someone's driveway, and the guy would come out sometimes and he would uh, just talk to us. He was like a nice guy. He was an American guy. Yeah. And we were talking to him about what he did and he was like, oh, I work, I work for the American government. And I was like, oh, cool, man. What do you do? And he's like, ah, oh, it's in the science department. And after a few days, suddenly he was like, oh, we've cloned people. I was like, excuse me, sir? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we did that ages ago. Like, don't worry about that. And so I have no way of knowing what he said was true, but it was, it was just me and this Polish guy whose name I can't remember, but was the was the hardest worker I've ever met. So, yeah. But he yeah he was incredible. But um but we would just kind of stand there and he'd be like yeah we've cloned human beings so that's that's I'm, long gone. Do you know what I am not uh, the, I'm not I wouldn't say conspiracy theorist, but that doesn't surprise me at all that the government has cloned people and done yeah. shit like that. It's, I'm, I'm, I was surprised to hear that the science had progressed that far. Not that they would do it, because I totally believe that they would, but the fact that they had gotten that far, because we'd only heard about Dolly a few years before that, the, the sheep that they cloned in Scotland, yeah. and so that they got into humans that fast was like, wow. Well, have you heard the rumor that Avril Lavigne is yes. not Avril Lavigne? Yeah. It's a clone. Yeah. Avril Lavigne's dead, and yeah. they've cloned her. I love that one. Yeah. 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 It's um, it gets more convincing the more down the hole you go. Yeah. But then you realize the further down the hole you go, there's no dissenting voice. Yeah. They all very much agree with each other. It's like the have you heard the Paul McCartney one? Oh yeah. That he died and then they replaced him with a Canadian lookalike who sounds yeah. just like him. Yeah. Um, sounds like him and yeah. the hand and the hands are a bit different. Yeah. Like and like yeah. that's why on on Sergeant Pepper's cover, uh, Paul's wearing a Canadian Mounties uniform. Yeah. And there's a line of Paul is dead in I think on the Walrus or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a. Uh, I love stuff like that. I rarely believe it. But this guy, he could have been fucking with us. Yeah. And if he did, I applaud him because I'll never forget that he said that. So that's a great. You really got me. Yeah. But. Uh, but, but yeah, that was like that was a crazy that was a crazy time, going mm. from homeless to building a driveway for a guy who clones people. Oh, wow. Yeah. Shit. So, those three things led to you doing your first open mic. I mean, they came before it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what chronologically, I chronologically, guess. Yeah. yeah. Time passed, and then I got there. Sweet. So, can you remember what actually, not exactly your set, but how you felt during your first open mic? I remember being terrified. Terrified. Yeah. Um, and I'm always really thankful to the MC of that show. It's at the Comedy Nest in Montreal on the Wednesday night. And um, the resident host is a guy called Peter Radomski, uh, who was really cool. He took me under his wing when I started. But like just before my first set, he was emceeing, and he could see how nervous I was. Excuse me. And he brought me into the green room, which new acts weren't allowed to do on the on the the, the uh, on the night. We all had to sit in the crowd and sort of support and things like that. But he brought me in, and he talked to me about everything but comedy. Good. He asked me about my family, where I was from, what baseball team I liked, all this kind of stuff, um, to the point where I forgot how nervous I was. 
and then he's like, okay, you're up next, let's go. Yeah. And so that is just, he freed me, because I would have thrown up on stage. It's a guarantee. Yeah. I absolutely would have thrown up on stage. Um, And so I'm forever thankful to him for that, because had I thrown up on stage, I might not have ever gone back up. No. So. How did the set go? Do you remember? Well. Good for you. Shockingly well, to the point, like, I only remember two things about it. Three things. Um, My opening line, which was, uh, hi, my name's Chris Betts, it's my first ever set. Uh, so one day you can tell your kids fucking nothing because you're not going to remember this. You're not going to remember this. <laughs> That's I'm, good. I'm so proud of. And then um, I remember getting my first like big laugh about halfway through and it throwing me so much because I assumed I'd just speak to silence and then get off yeah. stage. It threw me so much that I couldn't remember any of my jokes. And I had to go, I brought a notebook on stage, and I had to go back and check it. And I, I, I don't remember the laugh that I got. I remember the audible, like, aww. Because I told them, I was like, I didn't expect you to laugh. Aww. And I can't remember anything that I was supposed to say. And I went, aww. And I remember that, not the laugh, but the, like, the pity and the sweet. Um, and then I remember I wrote a joke. It was about poetic devices in porn. Do tell. <laughs> and how it's like it's it's underrated because there's a lot of like metaphors and um, um, hyperbole was the one that I could is the one I can remember the one where a woman goes like oh I'm about to explode <laughs> and in my mind I think the joke when it was like um, I, when I picture that she's just like poof gone but in reality it's just organs exploding everywhere <laughs> yeah. and I'm standing there and then I and then I mind jerking off on stage it's the first and only time I've ever done that. Because I remember stopping, and this is the vivid memory, is noticing myself <clears throat> jerking off like an air dick. So sort of slowly yeah. and more disappointed as I, as the viscera, this exploded yeah. woman around. Like, oh. <laughs> and I remember stopping and looking down and looking up at the audience and being like, I'm really sorry, that's really gross. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> and so, so yeah, yeah, those are my memories of it. That's That's great. That's... Everyone has done a. Ma- I think every male has done a masturbate, uh, 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 a simulated masturbation. It comes out sooner or later. It does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. literally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's only so many good ones you can do. Mm. So unless you've got a really good one, it better really need that. Yeah. It unless it adds everything to the joke. Yeah. Put your air dick away. I had my air dick out for the first three week, for like the first two or three weeks. Okay. But did it my, get a laugh? Not really. Yeah, yeah. But one of the MC, the, an MC took me aside after I'd bombed, and yeah. he was like, "Look, you got some okay stuff. Just yeah. no, everyone's done the masturbation yeah, stuff. Yeah. Don't do it yeah. unless you've got an amazing." It's gross. Like it's not. It is like. It's just so weird. It's not a nice thing to see. Guys jerking off. There's nothing sexy about it, anyways. No. And there's nothing fun about it. It's like a weird. There's nothing silly about it. It's something that like we should rightfully be ashamed of doing. Well, I don't know about shame, but don't parade it. Yeah. <laughs> Shame's uh, the wrong word. It's like I'm clipping sorry. your toenails. It's one of those things where it's like you do it, but you don't show anybody. Yeah. Like you still do it in company, yeah. so don't yeah. do it in front of like 80 people. Yeah. It's a, I've I've only seen it like worth a joke twice and it ended up kind of being the same joke and there was one was in a sketch by a group called the whitest guys you know um, ah the slow joke. They, they did a film called um uh about the play about them going to the playboy man about my man going to the playboy mansion and oh, I don't know that. miss march that's it miss okay. march in okay. 2009 sorry Is yeah good because their sketches were all right. The sketches were all right. Yeah. I haven't seen the film, but it has Craig Robinson in it, and Craig Robinson oh, can do great. anything. Yeah, I love Craig Robinson. 
But, um, yeah, so they had like a slow jerk one where, um, uh, uh, you know, just miming it, and that was kind of the joke, but a guy who finishes, essentially. He just keeps going, and he's like yeah. making eye contact with people while he's doing it. And it was, yeah, it was funny, it built really well. And then Louis C.K. did essentially the same joke. Essentially, yeah. In Live at the Comedy Store, I think. I thought um, you were going to say something completely different there, but... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was... fine uh, badly. If that had only been air, it'd be a very different vibe around him right now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, those are the only two where it was, like, it was funny, and it was the joke. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't like a, a, a discussing over um, exaggeration yeah. of it. Yeah, it's so rare to see it done well. If new comics are listening, stop jerking off yeah. on stage. Do you think Louis C.K. can make a comeback? He already has. He's selling out all over the place. Is he? Yeah. He's been on tour for like a year. Oh shit, yeah, son. Man. People will always see him. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't want to see him, then don't see him. I want to see how he deals with it. I want to too. Just as like a comic, I'm so curious yeah. to be like, what what is he gonna do with this topic, and how do you how do you deal with that? Just from a because he's a he's a master of the craft. Yeah. Um, but he's already. Don't ask if he's gonna make. Every one of these guys has made a comeback already. Yeah. I w- that's exactly why I went to go see Aziz Ansari this year. Oh yeah. Just to see how yeah. he would handle it. Yeah. It was a great show. Okay. It was yeah, yeah. fantastic. It was yeah, fantastically yeah. done. Yeah. And he handled it in the way I think yeah. the best way that he kind of could. Okay. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm interested yeah. to now watch it on yeah. Netflix yeah, because yeah. when I went to go see it in the Hammersmith Apollo, I was kind of just sitting there yeah. waiting yeah, to see how he handled yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So that's I don't think I still haven't watched Disease's special. Because I, I don't, he doesn't interest me. Like I don't care what he thinks. He's like a funny storyteller. Fair enough. But I don't really care what he thinks. Whereas like, Louis is so good at analysis and pulling apart every angle. Something. Yeah. I'm so curious and so unafraid to show the own depths of his depravity. Except for when he lied about jerking off in front of those women for years. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, but he. Uh, so I think I'm curious. The way that he deals with that will be fascinating. He lost. He lost a lot though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he'll ever reach the same level that he was at. No. But he'll like he'll work for the rest of his life. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like he got dropped from like that cartoon movie, that Pets movie, the sequel that he was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His his movie, uh, the black and white one, I Love You, Daddy, that was pulled from theaters. That was that looked so weird though in the context of everything. That was yeah, that was crazy timing. Yeah, (laughs) not good. Uh, The um, he was making a, a cartoon with Albert Brooks. Who, if you don't know Albert Brooks, is like one of the great American comedy yeah, that geniuses. Was, that was the um, that was the Secret Life of Pets too. No, they're making a cop show. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they were making a cartoon about cops, and that's been pulled. Uh, oh shit. Yeah, man. There was a lot. There, I mean, he was he was it, right? He was the big guy in Hollywood at the time. Yeah. Everyone wanted to see whatever he was making, and so so yeah. So that's gone. That'll never come back. No. But um, as a comic. But he'll work as a comic yeah. forever. And I bet he'll make he'll make stuff, and, and some people see it, and some people won't. Yeah. But that level, I don't think you'll see him at Oscar parties. Although, I mean, Roman Polanski came in second at the Venice Film Festival this week. So. Yeah, people have seen and forgotten all about him, haven't they? Oh no, everybody still knows. They just don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it's they think they think um, statutory rape and then Chinatown. Oh yeah. That's how it goes with Roman Polanski. He's disgusting. I'm sorry. He yeah. Is, he is an absolutely disgusting human being. Yeah, it was a weird move. Yeah. 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 Him and Woody Allen are coming on board with really evil. Yeah, Woody Allen is. I tried to watch. Um, 
What was it? I can't remember. I watched one with my wife, and there's this like, some, we were laughing at the jokes, stupid jokes. Yeah. And then, um, and at one point, he's in the bar with this girl that he's on a date with. It's like a first date, and it's like a biker bar. And so like the juxtaposition's funny because it's weedy little. Yeah. Uh, but, and then all these bikers come around. And they're like, we want to date your girlfriend. And he goes, okay. And he just kind of leaves her. Yeah. To be, I guess, assaulted by a group of strangers. Yeah. And that's the joke. Yeah. And I was like, this is a weird vibe. Yeah, well, he's, um, a, he's a weird guy. Super weird dude. Like, isn't he's fucking his stepdaughter or some shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, what yeah, the hell? Yeah. Like, yeah, this took a really weird dark turn. But, he's, but he also hasn't really made a good movie in about 20 years. That's, I've heard Blue Jasmine's quite not. I heard of Blue Jasmine's. Oh, yeah, that was supposed to be. Yeah, I heard Andrew Dice Clay's great in it. Uh, uh, yeah, Louis C.K.'s supposed to be great in it. Who thought, who'd have thought that Andrew Dice Clay. <laughs> Would be such a great actor. Yeah, yeah, shocking. Although he is playing, but say that he's playing a character. Yeah, and Dice, yeah, Dice is a character. The so Dice Man. He is although he's become Dice now, he just yeah. loves his Dice. He is this. Yeah. He yeah. wears he wears the fingerless gloves and the Dice like leather jacket out, and like like when he's buying school supplies for his kids. Yeah. Like he's all the time Dice now. Have you seen him in a movie? No, I was I was listening to podcasts with people and they were like, I saw Dice at like a, uh, is it like the the American equivalent of a boots. Yeah. <laughs> it was like use full dice. <laughs> oh, that's what that's. It's kind of weird how they can actually become these larger than life characters. It's like oh, well, it's like that. Um, um, who's the Argentinian Diego Maradona? The Argentinian yeah, footballer. It, yeah. They just released that um, documentary, I think, a few months back, mm-hmm. about how he became the character Maradona. Yeah. As I hope I'm getting that name right. Um, I'm right. a huge football fan. Uh, Me neither. But, uh, uh, but yeah, so he went from being like a guy and then became the idea that people had of him as he became famous. So he stopped being himself and became this like weird caricature of himself. And that's when people lose it. I guess that kind of does happen though when you read enough about you in the newspaper, in like newspapers and stuff. Yeah. It's a bit like self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Like, yeah, when if you start playing up to it, like yeah. that's what you want people to see. And I remember um, reading a quote by Bob Dylan and he said, uh, was it Bill Murray? It might have been Bill Murray. And he, uh, he was like, when you get famous, you're an asshole for two years. Guaranteed. No matter who you are, you become yeah. an asshole for two years. But at two years, you hit a point where you get to decide, do you want to be this asshole forever, or do you want to go back and be a decent person? And that feels like a lot of these guys go, well, just play up to it. Fuck it. Yeah. You know, Dice is like, I'm Dice now. This yeah. is, nobody was coming. He was the first comic to fill a stadium. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was rock and roll comedy. That's yeah, why yeah, yeah. Like, who didn't know the nursery rhymes? Yeah, unbelievable. Like, Little Miss Muffet, Santa Tuffet. Yeah, I'm not gonna die, I'm not gonna butcher yeah. the thing, but I can't yeah, I can't remember how it goes. It's been a while. But what's in the ball, bitch? I mean, you want you want to talk about comedy that doesn't stand up, even right. if you take out the like all all the stuff that he would be canceled for now. Yeah, they're just not that funny. <laughs> it's like the jokes aren't great. See, I can watch it and respect it for its time. I can watch it and sort of laugh for its time. Yeah. But I can completely see why it wouldn't, as it was, yeah. it wouldn't be able to be done now. Well, it's also like he was so dominant that he made himself hack. Yeah. So, like, if a guy came out and was dice now, you'd just be like, who's this hack? Yeah. This is garbage. Like, write but, something. But he must have been able to, he must have had to evolve throughout the years, though. Oh, dice. I don't think dice is about evolution. <laughs> 
I think he's very much got his thing going on. Well, him and Roseanne have just done uh, are doing or have just done a tour together. Oh, really? Yeah. Crazy. Literally. Ro- Roseanne. Roseanne was a killer comedian. Oh, I reckon she still could be. She was really good. We'll see, man. When you come off the road, like when you don't do stand-up for 30 years, you're bad again. Yeah. And now you don't have the hunger to learn how to do a problem. But how, well, I... Or maybe she was doing the Tim Allen thing, where every so often you'd remember, like, oh, I haven't been out for, I haven't been on the road for that. Let's go get a couple of dates in. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. That like that's why I feel like a lot of those Netflix specials that came out were like underperforming for the geniuses that put them out. It was like it's because you know, like the Chris Rock one, Tambourine, cool premises. Yeah. But like didn't do the Chris Rock thing of like I have never thought of this before. Right. Like bullet control. Yeah. We don't need gun control, we need bullet control. You go, you just redefined the whole thing and I'll never forget that thought. Yeah. And he just didn't have the shots anymore. You see, I actually went to go see it live at oh, Wembley wow. Arena. Wow. I'm seeing the special, I've not watched it. But for me, it was electrifying. Wow. And as someone saying, as, as someone who's um, seen Chris Rock twice, I yeah. saw him at um, the uh, bigger, I saw him at Vic, not bigger, but the one yeah, where he, the, 90s. the 2000, 2000, 2008 one before. Uh, Kill the messenger. Kill the messenger. Yeah, yeah. I saw him. I saw him uh, live doing that. Nice. And I saw him live doing the most recent one. Yeah, yeah. And it was electrifying. Yeah. And that, but then that's, it's a completely different experience watching it live yeah. than watching a Netflix special. But it doesn't even seem like it's going that well in the room. Really? Yeah, because I have friends that saw him um, in the States when he yeah. was running it. And they said a bunch of their favorite stuff he, he didn't put in. Yeah. So, so I don't know what led to what went into the thing. But it just didn't do that thing. But that's interesting that he crushed. So, so yeah, maybe, yeah. Still got, maybe he'll release something amazing. He... Dude, I'm not. I, yeah, I can't say enough. Like he yeah. killed it. Wow. He had. Oh, I wish I'd seen that. He had Jeff Ross MC. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jesselnick came out. Nice. Yeah. And uh, Michelle Wolf. Oh, wicked. She's amazing. She's great. Yeah. yeah. Like Dave, sort of blackballing her at the moment, though. Aren't Excuse me. Really? Sort of. Like they. She had a Netflix. She had a Netflix show cancelled, and she's. Yeah. That wasn't very good, though. Too free for Yeah. I, I love. I love her. Uh, and her show wasn't great. Hmm. There were moments of it that were funny, but it wasn't like I wasn't eager to watch the next episode. No, I think the worst mistake she did was doing the White House, the White House first one. I think that was the best thing she did. Really? That was awesome. It was so good. And then they pulled bullshit arguments against her just because they needed to say something because she made them look like idiots. She really did. Her and Colbert are the two best. When I watch those things, like I'm so impressed. Yeah. I'm in, I'm in awe of that. I really enjoyed it, and I completely agree with you. Yeah. However, I think the expectation level of her from doing that yeah. was then so high yeah, okay. that nothing else that she could have done after that was going to meet that was going to reach the expect was going to meet the expectations. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I think whatever she does next is going to be really good. Mm. She works her ass off. Like, by, by all reports, she's an insanely hard worker, and everything I've seen her do has been really funny. Uh, I mean, her show was alright, but her stand-up yeah. is always crazy, so I really think that whatever she does next will be excellent. Yeah. I, b- I believe in Michelle Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> what do you th- so what's the stand-up scene like from wh- where you live at the moment in, the state, in Canada? I live in London. Do you? Yeah, man. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. So it's great then. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been making a living over here for five years. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, have you... 
you started off in Canada, you started off in Canada, right? Yeah. Right? What's this comedy scene like there compared to how it is in London? I mean, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> um, I've been I've been full time here for five years, but I've been over here for seven. Oh shit. Um, so yeah, do some research, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so when I was in Canada, I did uh, about three years of just mics, and I was just starting to get paid uh, when I left. Um, and there's there's a monopoly over there called Yuck Yucks. Yeah. And they kind of run. They have, for the most part, the only comedy club in the city. Um, there's a couple like Absolute Comedy, the corner comedy club. They're opening up new spots, and there's some cool independent places like the Comedy yeah. Bar or whatever. But um, but for the most part, Yucks is still the the megalith. Um, and uh, and I asked a couple comics, um, should I move to Toronto from Montreal? Because I started Montreal. It's like a small. It's like the Bristol of Canada. Yeah. Um, that's when I have the fan. That's when I have just for laughs and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but outside of that, it's a really small scene. Um, and so there used to be two clubs. One of them burned down last year, so it was one club. Um, and so I asked, uh, should I do Toronto or London? Because I'm an Irish passport, and everyone said London. So I moved over here before I really got to experience the Canadian scene. Sweet. Yeah. So how have you found London? Is it, how have you found London for comedy so far? <laughs> I mean, great. I, yeah. It's my job. It's all I've ever wanted. It's amazing. Yeah. So I can't complain. Like it's awesome. Yeah. I'm on the road all the time. Like I work the road more than anything else. Um, which has its ups and downs. I'm in towns that I hate sometimes, yeah. uh, in front of crowds that I have nothing in common with. Yeah. Um, my stuff is normally better suited to bigger cities. Yeah. But uh, sometimes it's a job. Yeah. And so you go and you do what you can, and it's nice to have to, because I don't, I won't compromise on topics, but I will. It makes me work harder to find a way to bring them into it. Yeah. Um, and so I think my comedy's a lot better for having had to do that. That's true. Uh, and so. I'm glad that I've done it. I'm a little bored of it, uh, and I want to do, like I'm starting to tour more in Europe now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go over to Canada for a few months and try to set up a base there, nice. um, because I want to start gigging to my fans, because I think I'm starting to get enough that I can start to do that a little bit. That's cool, man. And, um, so yeah, because, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, sometimes you're doing a one-nighter in a rugby club in the middle of Kent. Oh. And you go, you guys seem nice, and I'm sure you're nice. I remember saying that at the end of a set. I just bombed yeah. hard for 19 and a half minutes of a 20-minute set. And I stopped, and I was like, guys, listen. I know that I wasn't what you were looking for. Oh, God. And I totally understand. That's fine. You're not the audience I wanted either. Yeah. Like, <laughs> And that's and that's a, that's that's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, this is a little on you because I have videos on YouTube. Yeah. So you would have known what you were seeing if you'd done some research. Yeah. There are no videos of you as an audience. <laughs> I don't know what I'm coming into. <laughs> and so, but as I said it, they kind of they were like, all right, he's not an asshole, and he knows that it's not going well. And so yeah. they kind of warmed to me. And yeah. I was like, I'm gonna tell one more joke, and it's a very silly joke, and it's just like a peace offering. Yeah. I hate this joke. It's a joke that I stopped telling years ago. But was always like a good one to pick up a crowd that didn't like me. And so and so I was like, do you want to hear this one joke? And they went, yeah. And they were back on my side and they told the joke and they hated it. Oh <laughs> no! <laughs> oh god! So, so yeah, so I was like, all right, bye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I just walked off. Did you get paid for it though? Oh yeah. yeah good. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, man. You book me for my time. You're paying me no matter how I do. Yeah. 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 Um, speaking of someone who's sort of just starting to do the road now what advice do you reckon you can give what's the best three piece of advice you can give um don't prejudge them 
Yeah. Um, I've been I've been so pleasantly surprised so many times when I've gone in thinking these people are gonna like this or they're gonna hate this or they're sometimes you think they're too dumb or they're too smart or they're too whatever. Um, just do your jokes, man, and you'd be amazed when it works. Yeah. And sometimes when it doesn't, you go, yeah. this crap was made for me. Oh my god, I hate everyone in this room. <laughs> <laughs> um, if okay, here's here's one that I that I learned the hard way. If uh, watch the crowd before the show. Yeah. And if you get the feeling that they all know each other, be very careful about who you make fun of in the audience. Yeah. Because uh, I did that in a small town, also in Kent. Ugh, I don't like Kent. Uh, <laughs> um, and I made fun of this guy in the front row. And as soon as I, it was innocuous, but as soon as I did it, the whole crowd just crossed their arms at once. Oh God. And I was in. I was 20 seconds in. I just gotten on stage. Just a quick little, hey buddy, cool shirt. And everybody went, no, we oh. like Bob. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they just hated me for 20 minutes. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah, it was long. Yeah. So, don't prejudge him. Yeah. And just make sure that you put on the right person if you don't, if you feel like Only if they clearly all know each other on a first name basis. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Where's well, been the craziest place that you've had to do um, an open spot? Um, I think the worst one was for Mirth Control. That's going to be who I'm going to be doing it yeah, with. Yeah. yeah, I mean, some of those gigs are nice and some of them are garbage. And this one just happened to be terrible. Um, and it was uh, somewhere near Leeds, but not in Leeds. And we drove up. Um, I was the open spot. Um, yeah, okay. Um, um, yeah, so it wasn't in Leeds, but it was near Leeds. Uh, there was four of us in the car. We drove all the way up. It was it was me, Jim Campbell, who's awesome, Guy Montgomery, who's yep. great, and um, oh another guy whose name I can't remember because I don't think I've seen him since. And he does like some comedy and some magic. I don't know how much he gigs. Um, but he we went. Is in, it Campbell Blaze? Could not tell you. It was six years, six and a half years. Ah, uh, I wouldn't be Campbell. Yeah. No. Um, and so uh, he was an old guy, uh, but he. Uh, so he was emceeing. It was a comedy and curry night, which is always terrible. Um, we found out of the 30 audience members, 26 of them were a uh, work due um, who didn't want to see the comedy. They just wanted to get drunk and talk to each other. And so half of them didn't even turn to face the stage. Nice. Uh, and then uh, uh, after poor Jim Campbell was opening, and he did what he could. Yeah. Um, and then he came up, we took a break, and then those the whole office group left. Good. And so we were left with four nurses. Oh. And, oh. And we asked them, we're like, listen, we can still do the show because you paid for your tickets. But we understand if you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, um, no, 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 just uh, uh, do it. And we're like, okay, so we sat down at their table. We didn't do it like a show. Yeah. We all just sat down at a big table. We just told them stories. That's cool. Um, we took so like I told about like eight minutes of stories, which was my open spot. That was my yeah. showcase for birth control. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then uh, uh, and then guy told some stories because he was closing. And I think Jim told a couple just to get his like spirits back up. And um, and then we left. And then we drove all the way back down from Leeds, which is five and a half well, hours. Well, yeah, that's right. Um, and to do that, to sit at a table, we didn't even get any curry. Oh uh, God! Uh, to sit at a table to tell stories to a nurse, uh, to four nurses, um, in what was supposed to be a progression spot, yeah, uh, cost me fifty pounds. 
10 hours of driving round trip. Oh, yeah, yeah, to do a dinner party, essentially. Oh, wow. So that was, uh, yeah, I remember that one. That one always sticks with me. Okay. That's... But the thing is, you must you must have learned something from doing that doing that gig. Um, I guess don't do comedy and curry nights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Basically, anywhere where there's lots of food involved, just try to avoid it. <laughs> oh man, it never works. I don't know what it is about comedy and curry nights. No, it just. And was it like in the main room as well? In the main, in like the main bit of the restaurant? It was, it was in a weird. No, it wasn't even in a restaurant. It was in a weird, like a, um, a, a like a, a city, like community center kind of thing. Oh, and it Jesus. wasn't in a proper venue. It was just kind of in a room oh. uh, that had chairs and like the shitty gray carpet that they put on all municipal floors. Oh, uh, it was awful. Like that's kind of proof that like you can't just put comedy on anywhere. You shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm always amazed at how little thought people put into the, the room that they book comedy in sometimes. Yeah. But it'll be... It's, all, it's so simple. You just need a small room with low ceilings. That's it. Um, and lighting and sound. Yeah. And that's it. That's all you need. And the sound is easy. It's one mic. Yeah. And and a, 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 a like two PAs. Yeah. And then um, and the lighting is a single spotlight. That's all you need. Just That's a, it. just a light. And it's uh, make sure that the lights in the room turn off. Yeah. Uh, um, make sure people aren't eating off plates while people are on stage. That's right. Um, make sure that the toilet isn't right next to the stage. Yeah. Oh, we've. Oh my gosh. We've been in so many situations where like the hand dry. Like you can hit a hand dryer or someone's doing a punchline and it's just. It throws everything off. Don't do it in a bar where the bartenders don't care that it's happening and will blend cocktails during yeah. the show. <laughs> Please tell me where that happened to you. So many places. <laughs> Too many to name. Batter coffee machines. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's 10 p.m. Oh, dishwashers. Clean it. Yeah, dishwashers are terrible. Yeah. Um, I did one gig in a brewery that was a really nice gig. And it should have been fun, but all the because it was like a, a brewery and a bar, all the brewing machines were running. Yeah. And so every three minutes you do this like. <laughs> <coughs> so yeah, it's it's amazing how all you need is like silence. Yeah. And focus light. That's it. And you can pretty much make people laugh. It'll That's be fun. it. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it needs so little, and so many people get it so wrong. That's right. Yeah. Like, and I get why they do it, or why pubs do it, or whatever, because it makes it can make them money. Yeah. But at the same time, it won't last if the room's not really yeah. any good. If the room's not any good, people will just go somewhere else on that night where the room is good. Yeah. 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 I, I don't understand the comics that book it. Yeah. Like, I remember I wanted to run... I used to run a weekly night. I used to run two weekly nights when I was in Montreal. When I was okay. And um, one of them I, I took over, which I've been going for seven years, so that yeah. was already set. Excuse me. And then the other one I wanted to do with two friends. Yeah. And I spent a month looking for the right room. And I kept turning things down because the lighting was bad, because it was too loud, because it smelled weird. Yeah. Um, all these things, because there was a nightclub downstairs, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then I found the perfect room. And then it was great. It sold out every week. It was fun. It was one of my. It's still one of my favorite rooms I've ever done. Was it ticketed or was it? No, no. You just show up and then yeah. you give us money at the end um, because we were brand new. Like yeah. we had no business charging money for what we were doing. But because it was free, we fucked with each other. 
other. Yeah. We would always heckle each other from the back of the room yeah. while we were on stage, and we had to try out new stuff every week. Yeah. And part of the crowd originally would come not just for the show, but to watch us try to ruin each other's shows. That's amazing. We'd just be cackling. Like yeah. This. So yeah, we just made it fun, and we picked exactly the right spot. Um, so yeah, if you're looking to book a show, like the room matters. Yeah. And also think about how many people go there. If it's an empty bar, it'll be an empty yeah, show. Exactly. I, it doesn't matter how big or good the room is. If there's no football, yeah. it's not going to work. Yeah, and if you want a place with regulars. Yeah. yeah. Or so many tourists. Or a night, where, or at least you know, know the night where the regulars are going to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then you need the bar staff behind you. There's a lot of things that like that helped. The manager really wanted it. The staff were cool. All the regulars were exactly who we wanted in the show. Yeah. And so all those things go into it. It's like, yeah, take take the time because you'll have a much, you'll enjoy the show more, and you'll get more out of it if you take the time to pick a record. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about advertising as well. Yeah, but we we didn't really advertise. Didn't we? No, we just we because the staff were on board, they did ah. it. Um, and then um, we would go out sort of an hour before the show. We'd fly on the street. Um, uh, we got. And then a lot of it was word of mouth. I worked, sure. at a, I worked at a cafe and a bar at the time, and so I'd, I'd leave flyers there, and I'd tell people about it. But mostly it was just word of mouth. Yeah. How did you find, uh, speaking of flyer and a marketing, how did you find this year's Edinburgh? Good. I, I don't flyer for myself. I hire flyers. Nice one. Because um, it's the best money I've ever spent. Um, they're really, if you get a good flyer, they will fill your room. And it's the added bonus of... I'm not the guy that gave you this. Yeah. How did you manage to get good flyers? Um, well, I do it through uh, my agent. Um, he runs, he's uh, Brett Vincent at Get Comedy. He runs a flyering team every year. Um, and takes on like 10 shows and he flyers for all of them. And he brings in a whole team and trains them and stuff. So so that's, I, I had an in there because he's already my agent. So. That's good. Because yeah. I saw so many pe- so many flyers who've been paid to do it just not do a good job yeah there was a scramble this year of really bad ones yeah uh, so like having a good one was there was like a bidding war on some yeah. of the best ones people were really fighting for it but yeah luckily for you you got some good luckily yeah it was nice guys. yeah how did um so how did it go for you how did you find it well, it was good. I was doing two shows this year. Um, nice. I did them back to back in the same room. Um, so I did an hour, then had a 20 minute break, and then another hour. Um, the first show is a show I've been doing for three years called Chris Betts versus the Audience. Okay. Um, where um, I'll argue the opposite of anything anyone says. Okay. And then I debate with the audience. So they, like the whole audience as a team, argues against me. Mm-hmm. And I have to knock down all their arguments. Sweet. It's super fun. Um, I've defended everything. Every nice. awful thing you can think, I've defended it. Um, okay. But what I what I like about it is because everyone understands the nature of it, no one gets tense because they know I don't want to be saying the things I'm saying. Yeah. And I purposely try to take it to a weird place that they've never thought of before so that they have to attack it new as well. And um, so it, it can be a really invigorating debate. And sometimes it's funny. Uh, most of the time it's funny. Sometimes it's just really interesting. Yeah. Um, and it, it's only ever been tense twice. I've been doing it for three years. That's good. Those are good odds, man. Yeah. So it's, uh, people get really into it and they understand what the point of it is, mm. um, which I love. And I have a round called Regrets where people tell me things they regret about their life. And I argue that it's the best thing they've ever done. And people get real. They tell me yeah. about things like that. I had a woman this year who said she regretted attempting suicide. 
and we got them to talk about it, and they managed to get laughs out of it. And she was yeah. like, no, you're right, I did try to, it's good that I did that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's like, it's, it's um, it, every time I do it, it, it revitalizes my faith in humanity. That's cool. Because people are so funny and so interesting, and so, have so many cool stories. One, I had, um, uh, one woman said, I regret stealing a bus. Stealing a bus. She stole a bus. She lives in Wrexham. As a teenager, she stole a bus. The driver got out, left the key in, she and so got, she ah. just jumped in and, and then drove away. Fair play. Just took it for a little joyride around Wrexham and then ran off. And we were all laughing. And then about we were talking about that for like five minutes. And I was telling her how awesome it is that she stole a bus and how funny it was. And no one got hurt, so it's fine. Yeah. And then um and then this guy sheepishly raised his hand on the other side of the, uh, of the room. And I was like, yeah, what, what do you want? And he went, and he went, I also stole a bus. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Oh no. So so yeah, so it's just it's great for moments like that um, where really. When they forget that they don't know each other. Yeah. And it becomes a thing, and it really soars. It's a, uh, yeah, it's something really special. I love it. Um, so I would do that every day at 3.50, and then I would have a 20-minute break, and then I would come back up and I'd do an hour of stand-up. Sweet. Yeah. So how, which one did you prefer doing, the hour stand-up or the audience one? Oh, the audience one. Yeah. Because it's different every time. I can't prepare for it. Um, it's always a, always, it's always a surprise, and it's always really fun. So whereas like the hour, I'm super proud of my hour. I like my yeah. jokes a lot. But you know, you say the same jokes every day for a month. Yeah. yeah. It can be. A lot. I ended up writing and rewriting stuff just to sort of keep it all fresh. Just like yeah. sort of keep it all fresh. Yeah, yeah. That's a good way of doing it. So, so yeah, I would have some. I would riff within the show. Yeah. But overall, the structure was there, and it was all. Like these are jokes that I've been writing over the last couple of years. So, yeah. Because I don't do an hour every year. I do versus the audience every year. Yeah. And an hour every second year. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, it's still just boring. Whereas versus the audience, I never know what it's going to be. Yeah. So yeah, so it's thrilling. Plus, I bring in a comedian to be a judge uh, to decide who argued best me and the audience, mm-hmm. and so I get to hang out with my friends. Oh, which sweet. Is great. Yeah. So, what advice would you give for someone that's doing Ed- that was thinking about doing Edinburgh for the first time next year? Um, make go up for a week and do spots before you book a month, and when you go up, go to see the shows, uh, go to see the venues that people about your level are doing, because there's some terrible venues. Oh yeah. And if you don't see them first, you don't know how terrible they are. And so do your recon because it's a lot of money and it's the mental toll of doing the whole month in a room that's awful at a, at a terrible time. Do you spend all this money on it and no one comes in? Yeah. Is a, it could be crushing. Um, yeah. And so just make do your research. Go for a week. Talk to your friends. See physically see the rooms. See shows in the rooms. Even if yeah. they're shows you don't think you'll like. Yeah. Just go and see them um, so that you know what you're getting into. So that the next year you do it. Also. Pick someone to do the show with that you know you'll get along with. Yeah, yeah. So at least do a two or at least, uh, at least a, three. Two, a two or three handle. Yeah. yeah. We did a three handle. We did three handle this year, mm. and that was my first time mm. doing it. I didn't do it. I was meant to go up last year to do some spots, yeah. but I decided not to do it. So I went up this year, like, and did the full did the full month. Okay. But what venue were you in? Jockey Murphy's. Oh, that's a good one. It is a good one. Yeah. 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 Um, it's a venue where you can learn a lot. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of skills to be learned. A lot of skills to be learned. Um, I'm eternally grateful to the venue because, like, 
you never it's one of those places where you never know what you're gonna get yeah um, because of how the seats are all laid out yeah like we out of, set, out of 25 shows yeah. 17 went well that's great and no and no cancellations that's awesome man that's I a know. successful run it's a very really successful good. one yeah yeah and but it's you had to learn to get that kind of audience on board yeah because what I kind of learned about Drunken Murphy's is that a Drunken Murphy's audience isn't always an Edinburgh Festival audience yeah they're just drinkers essentially yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and so the stuff you can probably get away with saying to an Edinburgh Festival audience who are there for the comedy yeah you will you might not get away with for yeah. the Drunken Murphy's audience who just want like the sort of Michael McIntyre and TV the TV yeah. comedy kind of thing so I've learned I learned that and also about how to manage how to be okay with silence yeah yeah fair enough yeah yeah that's uh, yeah yeah that was definitely something that I was like do you know what okay they're not involved they're not enjoying this but end of the day I gotta keep going you gotta yeah, keep going that's yeah. it yeah oh yeah bombing semi-regularly for like little periods of time can be really good for the soul oh yeah make you bulletproof oh god yeah like you're like you can't hurt me yeah exactly um I'm a first gig back a couple of um, like literally a few days after, after getting back from Edinburgh mm. and I took a friend a couple of friends to come see me yeah. and they turned to me afterwards like dude you have no fear yeah yeah, yeah. I was like yeah yeah that's it that's it's fully you cannot hurt me more than I have been hurt exactly this is done exactly yeah. the danger is I know a couple guys that got used to bombing oh you can't get used to it. Yeah, no. I, I, there was a guy when I started who said, I've gotten used to the silence. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Like, Please never say that again. If you're getting used to the silence, you shouldn't be doing this. Yes, just quit. Yeah. yeah. Or work hard. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Or change up your jokes. Or change all your jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but people get lazy. Yeah. Done. Or afraid. Yeah. I know I know some comics that are terrified that because they've got a set that works, mm. they don't want to deviate from it because they've forgotten what it is to bomb. But you've got like, to do that, though. Yeah, you got to take those risks. Even yeah. Chris Rock bombs. Yeah, man. Like, yeah. even Chappelle bombs. Yeah. All of them bomb. Yeah, everybody bombs. Never ends. And Isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> it's... Yeah, in a way, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, when I was in Edinburgh, I went to see Eddie Azar. Yeah. And do his work in progress. Yeah, how was it? Um, it was amazing. Yeah. Because uh, even at, it's just it was proof that even at someone of his, of his or her level, mm-hmm. it doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. Yeah, yeah. And they do the exact same process, not on the same level as us. Yeah. But they do it for the exact same thing, where yeah. they're working shit out on stage, and it was amazing yeah. to see. Yeah, it's all trial and error. Yeah. It's just, yeah, you try it, and it doesn't work, and you fix it, and it doesn't work, and then you throw it away, and you try yeah. something else, and you keep... That's, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the fun of it. You're never done. No. Which I love about stand-up. Exactly. Yeah. Even if you think you've got a polished hour, it's yeah. never quite polished. Yeah. You can, yeah, you're always, you can still learn forever, which I, I adore. I, I'm easily bored. Yeah. Really easily bored. And so, that's something that I love about stand-up, is you can never, if you're bored of it, it's your fault. Yeah. That's right. Switch yeah. it up, man. Yeah. Alright, so, Dirty Rock. Yeah. I love, I absolutely love this show. It's perfect. It is perfect, and I can't, it's kind of weird because uh, there's usually one season in a show that's gone on for as long as that, where it kind of drops the ball. I can't pick a season. Nope. There are a couple episodes that are like, ah, but overall, the standard is 
Unbelievable. And they did. I was looking today, because that was my show during Edinburgh. Like, I, I always end up watching something just yeah. to sort of zone out, and this year was 30 Rock. I think almost every season has 22, 23 episodes. Yep. It's amazing. That's the, the output and the quality. Mm. Just the frequency of jokes. Yeah. There's no waiting. And then to put out that many that fast, and some of them are physical, and some of them are, like there'll be a slapstick joke, and then a joke about poetry. Yeah. And then, and then a joke about boobs. Yeah. There you go. It's all over the place while still having such a tight narrative structure and such fun characters. It's For me, it's, it's the closest any live-action sitcom has come to The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. So, yeah, I completely agree. Um, it's just such little thick, and there's often little lines mm. that you have to rewatch the show again yeah. to be able to catch. Oh, yeah, there's too many in there. Like with um, Jack Bob, with Alec Baldwin's character. Mm. He is constantly saying gold, but you won't be able to catch all of it. Yeah, yeah. To rewatch. Same with it, was, it wasn't until I rewatched all of them again that I realized how funny Jen is. Yeah, oh. She's because amazing. I was so taken by Tracy Morgan, yeah, um, for the first season, and it was like it was like Liz Lemon, uh, Jack Donaghy, and Tracy Jordan. The first time I watched it, those yeah. are my big three, and and so I missed a lot of other stuff. And then the second time, it was like Kenneth is hilarious. Yeah, Jenna has some of the best lines in the show consistently. Yeah, but the thing is, Jane Krakowski. Yeah, she's one of those people that can that can quietly steal the show away from anybody. It's so good, man. Which is why the Adam Sandler movie Pixels pissed me off so much. Oh, was she in that? She, well, well, well. She okay. was in it. Okay. She played Kevin James's wife. President Kevin James's wife. Okay, yeah. She had no lines. How do you cast Jane Krakowski and not give her lines? Adam Sandler, bro. <laughs> Jesus, man. She's so funny. I know. I wonder if they hate each other and that was a way of him fucking with her. <laughs> Because that feels like a vengeance thing. Yeah. <laughs> to take someone that good and then be like, hey, you want to be this movie? She's like, ah, oh, fine, it's money. Yeah. Like, yeah. You don't get to speak. <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. No, she's, yeah, I'm, I was so impressed with Janet's character the next time I came through. And then all the little Lutz. Yeah. It's like, is just the way that they hate him. Yeah. She's all the, shut up, Lutz. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, all of it, all of it. Do you know what I find really interesting? That um, Tracy Morgan, when that show came out, mm. he got what I quite like to call Bob Sagitted. In oh, that yeah. he, um, a lot of people went to go, because you know Bob Saget was on Full House, yeah, yeah, yeah. as a family yeah. sitcom. Yeah. When he was on the family sitcom, yeah. he was still doing stand-up sometimes, mm. right? So families would take their kids to go see Bob Saget yeah. from Full House. And they would see... Bob Saget, not yeah. not what's his name from Full House, they see Danny Bob, Tanner. Danny Tanner, yeah. that's it. Why do we know that? Because uh, it's a great show. No, it's not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, they thought they were seeing Danny Tanner live. Yeah. Oh, no, Bob Saget, the dirty, the yeah. dirty comedian. Yeah. yeah, Bob Saget's gross. Yeah, he is gross. Yeah. And yeah. Tracy Morgan's a lunatic. Oh yeah. <laughs> but they thought they were seeing Tracy Jordan. Yeah. And so they complain about that, but it's like, yeah. dude, do goddamn research. That's, yeah, exactly. 
performances. I never understand why people will go to a comedy show without looking at the videos of the comedy first. Yeah. Or listening to an album. Yeah. It's all out there. Every comic. I bet you have videos on YouTube, right? Um, unlisted because I work in a school. Oh. Okay. At the same time. Fair yeah. But like, there's going to be some stuff that's going to be out, hopefully out there soon once I once I'm comfortable yeah. with. Yeah. Why not just have a stage name? Or a YouTube, or a YouTube, or like a YouTube name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just have, just have a stage name that's a normal person name, not yeah. like Mr. Silly Putty or any shit like yeah. that, but like, like Joe Johnson, or whatever. Yeah. And then go on stage for that, and then, and that'll be what your YouTube videos are, and then you can have your normal life outside of it. That's not a bad idea. Doesn't hurt. No. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I will think about that. Yeah, then. man. Happy to help. Yeah. Sweet. This yeah. is why I do. That's this. Honestly, it's one of the reasons why I do this podcast. So like, get ideas, speak to people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but like, so you've been going a year and a half. You said. Yeah. Right? And you've got videos. Yeah. And so, if you've got videos, then everybody. And it's got fucking videos. Got yeah. videos. Right? Yeah. It's like, and so I, the idea you would never go to a concert not having known what the band was. Yeah. Or at least listen to an album. Yeah. Or know the genre. Yeah. It's true. It's insane. And then to get mad and say, this Grateful Dead band isn't playing Metallica. <laughs> Like, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, yeah well, we're not going to play Erica Badu either. <laughs> we're, not, this is, we're just doing this. And um, yeah, so that that drives me nuts. I have no time for that at all. Um, but that's funny. He must have hated that. Oh, he did. Yeah. But do you know what I found really funny about his character? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in the first ever episode where they're trying, where they're looking to cast him yeah. and think about whether they should. You know the scene where he's where they show a news clip of him in the middle of in the middle of the street going, I am a Jedi. Oh yeah. 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 Do you know that what that's a reference to? No. Martin Lawrence. Oh. When yeah. Martin Lawrence went crazy. That's right. Yeah. 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 Poor Martin Lawrence. Poor Martin Lawrence. I'm glad he's back. I'm glad they're doing Bad Boys. Bad Boys for yeah, life. Yeah. I like that guy. Yeah. He yeah, he's I I like him a lot. From everything that I've heard from comics that came up under him, he was insanely supportive. Yeah. He was really good about making sure everybody worked and sort of giving good advice. And that's super important. It's like that's it. I had two mentors. Um, one was Peter Radomski, who's who ended up being kind of a weird guy, but was really good to me when I started. He was the guy who emceed the, the, the first yeah. show that I did. And then uh, Faisal Butt, um, who still is in Toronto and is awesome. And like, was so helpful. And just showing me like what kind of stand-up I could do and uh, giving me good advice and helping me when I was down and shit yeah. like that. So it's, yeah, to have someone in your corner like that when you start is invaluable. You see, that's... It's kind of, and then I think I found on the London scene that that's a lot harder to do because it's you find people who are on your you can only really find people who are mainly on your level. Yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah, in Canada there's more overlap. Yeah, um, where like I did the very first show that I did, the headliner was a professional comic. Yeah, and that was like a a new show. Yeah, like a brand new act show, but it was still like the open mic that I ran, both of the open mics that I did, um, uh, there was Dean Smith, and she's yeah. awesome, check her out, um, but uh, um, all the pros would be at all the shows, Yeah. and so they were always cycling through, and so not only if you weren't an asshole, would they like give you good advice and hang out, they were like nice people, Yeah. but also um, you got to see what good comics did, Yeah. and so that kept you honest, because like you can go, you can get into that like 
of a mic mind where you're like, oh, I'm really good at this. And yeah. then you get out of the mics and you go, oh, I'm not that good at it. Yeah. I'm just good at it for here. And so it was so good to have that. So that's why I always feel bad for people starting in London. Because yeah. I think starting in a smaller city is better. It's so much better. That's why I keep telling a community. That's why I keep telling people who are doing it who are from Manchester or Liverpool or wherever else. Yeah, I'm almost. Back. I am so envious of how where you guys are starting because yeah. you guys get to travel around and you get to be like on these other nights where pro people want to go to and where we and where we would have to fucking travel to to get to yeah. and when you know when you're in when you're in liverpool you got the hot water guys yeah and they're there and they, they seem to be really good about taking comics under their wing like local kids and sort of giving them safe time and helping them out um in manchester you've got a really cool like new new act scene and then the frog and bucket is good for sort of overlapping and you get to see pros every week yeah and one thing that I'm amazed new comics don't do more is go and watch a comedy club on weekends. It's like if you're not gigging, go see what paid comics are doing. Yeah. And it's I know it's hard because you, you got to get in for free. Yeah. Which in in Montreal was perfect because the club owners there wanted us to because they knew that they were investing in their own future. Because the better we got, the yeah. better their shows would be. Um, and so every Saturday night, I would go with my buddy Sean Hogan. Um, and we would go to the early show at the Comedy Nest, and we would watch that, and it would be like opener, or MC opener, like a feature spot, and then a headliner does an hour. Sure. Um, and then we would run over to the Comedy Works, and we would watch the late show at the Comedy Works. So we would get in, you know, three hours total, three and a half, four hours of stand-up in a night of like touring professional comedians. And we would immediately go down to the bar, like when we finished at the Comedy Nest, which is the first show, we, as we were walking over to the next one, we'd be discussing what we just saw. Yeah. Like, what did you think of that? And how did you do that? Just like really nerding out. Like I took my, my cocktail nerding well into my comedy. Like, yeah. I'm the same nature. I'm detail oriented. That's cool. And so we were, so we would just analyze everything that was going on. It was like, did you see how he dealt with that heckler? And, um, and how he didn't talk to that one, but he talked to this one. And when he was nice, but mean and all these different things. And so just to see how pros do it, is so helpful. Yeah. And it's so much better to be in the room than it is to watch specials. Mm. Because you, you really get a sense of what it is and what you're doing. And a lot of the times, you know, if, if again, if you're not an asshole, like, be nice, that's a big thing. Yeah. Is um, the bar staff will introduce you to them. Yeah. Or you know the MC, the MC will be like, this is a new comic, he's funny, this is it. And like, I remember when I was new, meeting a headliner meant the world to me. Yeah. I was so excited. And like, I, I never had anything to say. I remember one being so nice, but he killed so hard. I panicked like I was a teenager in front of a pretty girl. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, hi, nice to meet you. It was Daryl Lennox. Yeah. He was like this awesome comic back home. Um, and he's like, hey, nice to meet you. I hear you do stand-up. And I was like... Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, bye. And I just left. <laughs> he was such a nice guy. He couldn't have been nicer. And he was clearly like wanting me to talk. And yeah. Like, Gotta go. Goodbye. <laughs> There's one headliner who I sort of do listen to, well, who I do talk to quite well, semi regularly and get advice from. That's Steve McLean. Oh, yeah. And he's honestly one of the best people on the circuit for my, for my money. Yeah. yeah. He's just genuinely nice. It's nice to have around, yeah. Have you met him? Have you met him before? Uh, yeah, we've done some gigs before. I don't know him well, but like, I yeah. Don't, yeah. But I saw because I've seen, I've seen the show for like um, since the beginning of like since the beginning of like last year. Okay. And I saw it morph into what it was in Edinburgh this yeah, year, and that was great. really really fucking 
cool. That's another thing. New comics, go and watch work in progress shows. Yeah. Because they're free. Yeah. And so, yeah, but yeah, just go and watch because it makes such a big difference. Of course. Yeah. I, I would think Bristol's a nice place to start for the same reason. Mm. But there aren't many pros out there because there's no clubs. That's um, right. But yeah. There's a lot of nights, though. A lot of nights. A lot, nights. lot of nights. A lot of really good nights. Um, but yeah, there's only the, the comedy box, really, um, which is only on a Saturday. Yeah. So it's not the same. No. But Steve, who runs it, I, I think is pretty good about letting new comics just come in and watch. So, yeah. so yeah, yeah it's, it's worth it. He books really great lineups. So. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So, what was I going to say? Yeah, so, back to, back to 30 Rock, mm. right? Um, I think it was kind of... I think what the, I think one thing they missed was... Because obviously Tracy Jordan was still apparently a stand-up comic as well, and a comic actor. Yeah. It would have been kind of nice to see him try to juggle his stand-up persona, him as Tracy Jordan, the, try and juggle Tracy Jordan the stand-up yeah. with Tracy Jordan the sketch the sketch actor the sketch actor as well yeah maybe I mean I feel like at no point did they try to mirror anything in life yeah um, which is like part of what I loved about them with the Simpsons where they were talking about real things yeah but it was almost a reset every episode like I mean their character they had obviously arcs in a way that the yeah. Simpsons did but it was still every time Liz was like I'm gonna get my wife together that was the start of every episode I'm not gonna yeah I mean, <laughs> and it never worked and Jack had some corporate problem to deal with and it would it would always be the same nature of things that would flow out. And I, I feel like um, it never had anything to do with their real lives, which I yeah I like. I think it would have been weird if you got a, a view into Tracy Morgan's real life mm. in the one of the silliest shows of all time. Yeah, I just watched the episode um, where um, you know where Jenna she, Jenna meets a Paul, who's like the guy who's a Jenna Maroney impersonator. Yeah, um, and they get. So this is when they, they, they date and then they break up for a while to sort of test the waters. Yeah. And they're trying to get back together and Jenna's like having this she's she's had a breakdown and she's in the hospital <laughs> and and she's like really worried that she's thrown it away. And then it turns out Paul was the nurse who was like helping her the whole time. <laughs> Isn't that Bill Hader that plays it? No, it is Will Forte. Will Forte I get yeah. the two mixed up. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Man. Yeah. But again, Fantastic! Oh, crazy! So funny. And, <laughs> um, he just they when they when they go to make up um, and they start kissing and and Paul's like uh, Will Forte's character goes uh, Tracy you should leave. Tracy's like yeah I don't want to stay for this. <laughs> and Jenna's like no 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 Tracy's the reason we got back together. Let him stay. Oh god. And Tracy's like no I really want to go. <laughs> and, then, and then Paul's like nope just handcuffs him to himself. No. She's like. It's just so silly. Do but like, is, yeah, it's a, a real like emotion. What well, could have been an emotional moment? Yeah. Just to just go for the laugh. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. But I kind of respected it. Uh-huh. Where the moment when they didn't go for the laugh was when yeah. Jack's mom died. Yeah. Yeah. They allowed that one, which is that. I think the fact that they only did it so rarely is what gave it the potency. Yeah. In the way that have you watched the last season of It's Always Sunny? No, but I'm making my way through it at the moment. There's a moment in that that is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And unironic and not sarcastic, straight up beautiful. That's and it is so unexpected. And like I started tearing up. And they don't shy away from it, they don't undercut it, they just let it be. 
It's amazing. It's so beautiful because obviously the whole point of it's always sunny is they take nothing seriously. Yeah, and they're all assholes and they're horrible exactly. people. Yeah. yeah, and so so the fact that they really leaned into it and they did it really well and it's touching and beautiful um, and but also totally in line with where the story had to go yeah. and doesn't feel outside of the series at all. It really, yeah, adds to it if you if, if that's not what you normally do. Whereas like, yeah. like I remember growing up, I watched I watched a lot of Full House because it was on TV when I was a kid, and just watch what you watched after school it was Full yeah. House, Saved by the Bell, TGIF, man. You were just killing time until The Simpsons came on. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so we would watch those, but there was always the moment of like, oh, well, you learned a lesson. Well, well, Michelle, let me yeah. tell. Yeah. This exactly. is why life is like Michelle. And we all always love you. Yeah. We love you, Uncle Danny. Yeah. Uncle Jesse didn't mean to kill that man. No. But now that he's dead, we're going to bury the body together. Yeah. Because we're family. We're family. And yeah. family is all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> Past the line. Saying that, I do still like watching Full House and That's Fuller House. insane to me. Really? What do you get out of that? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of comfort food okay it's fast food it's fast food television and it for me was it's opium television <laughs> I get it but sometimes I just need my heroin oh, it's so bad I hate it so much is that because you didn't have anything else do you reckon going up well not I mean on TV yeah, yeah, we just we just watched it because it was on. Yeah, it was. We, I don't I don't remember ever laughing at Full House. See, for me, I kind of discovered it like early teenage early teenage years, I guess, okay. because I didn't quite grow up watching Full House. It wasn't that big over here. Right, yeah. But it was like, oh, okay, this is a bit of a change of pace from like the sex from like all the sex jokes and all that kind of stuff I'm used to. Okay, like Friends yeah. and Will and Grace and whatever else. Okay. It's just like. I don't want to say good, clean family sitcom. Yeah. But it's just. That is kind of what it was supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. sort of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, nothing controversial. Everything's nicely, nicely tied up. Yeah. But it was just. I mean, there are ways of doing that. Brian Regan does that in his stand up, and he's great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? um, uh, uh, Jim Gaffigan. Jim nothing Gaffigan's controversial great. about him. No. Nope. He's a killer. Hot pockets, baby. But there are no <laughs> funny jokes about <laughs> And that's, that's what I think. If they, if they pitched it as a half hour family drama yeah but didn't, didn't change a word <laughs> I would be like this family drama is a little wacky yeah <laughs> but it's just so deeply unfunny that it offends me on every level I hate it so much man it ran for like eight seasons yes, so it did. <laughs> I mean dude mediocrity never fails it's true yeah that's why the Big Bang Theory was allowed to go on for so long crazy but then again I respect Chuck Lorre I mean he's got that formula yeah you know and He's like the Neptunes. Yeah. And <laughs> that's true. <laughs> or Khaled. Yeah, well, Will I Am. I, well, yeah, that's true, yeah. yeah. But I'll say that Young Sheldon, much better than the Big Bang Theory. Really? Yeah. Okay. Is that just because it's coming out of a kid's mouth? No, it's because it's not multi-camera. They've, they've actually had to... They've actually had to... Um, think about how to make audiences laugh about having a laugh, how, about having a laugh track. Okay. I'm still not gonna watch it. I, 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 I would never expect anyone who isn't watching it currently to watch it. Yeah, I'm, but not gonna, I'm not gonna come around to it. No. But, yeah, but it's just out, I just want to put it out there. Read, that's good to know. That's good to know. I mean, it's. I'll, I will definitely tell someone that. I will say I heard from a guy that I just met. Yeah. The young Sheldon <laughs> is better than Big Bang Theory. I. 
you tell me because I'm not going to watch it. And they will watch it and they'll come back. And then I'll know if I trust your taste or not. Uh, fair enough, <laughs> yeah. man. I'm also the guy that said the Full House was yeah, quite I good. Mean, yeah, you also yeah? like Full House, so, so we're done. But that's fine. Hey, man, this has been wonderful talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me, buddy. Right, um, so, where can they find you on... Um, social media. Uh, if you want to see me live, um, all my dates are on my website, which is thechrisbetts.com. Nice. Um, uh, I'm going to be in Canada for a few months during the fall uh, and the winter, but I'll be back next spring. Um, uh, otherwise, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. It's the same thing, which is uh, Mr. Chris Betts, MR Chris Betts. Nice. Yeah, right Betts, Betts has two T's. Sweet. All right, man. It's yes. been wonderful having you. Yeah, thanks for having me, bud. Thank you, Chris Betts, and thanks to everyone for listening. Um, as always, you can catch me on the dates I mentioned in the intro. Um, also, you can catch me on Twitter, at your boy Gibbo, on Instagram, at GibboGram1. And, yeah, so, yeah, I'll see you guys soon. Goodbye.